This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 119, Building Wealth That Leads to the Blissful Life with Monica Sawyer. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, welcome to the latest episode. I'm your host, Mark Willis, Certified Financial Planner and Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor. Glad to have you here today. Boy, and you know, you may have already heard the, the great news, but I want to reiterate, uh, congratulations to Holly and Jacob Bach as they've welcomed their brand new baby girl into the wild and wonderful world. I'm sure you guys are uh, figuring out uh, what it means, uh, what the power and preciousness of sleep really means at this point. So again, congratulations to you guys. And uh, well, uh, to you, our listener, man, I'm, I'm glad you're with me. So glad to have, have the time to spend with you. I think there's some powerful, really real content that we're going to be covering together today with a special guest that I'm bringing on. But it really struck me as I was getting ready for this episode, there's an image uh, in 2008 when the financial meltdown was really getting underway, and especially after some of the major collapses of mega banks and the Lehman Brothers collapse and so forth, there's actually pictures of people jumping out of buildings, committing suicide, you know, ending their lives because their net worth was cut in half or all, all of it gone, right? And that to me really stands out as a, as, a, as a metaphor or a picture of how we all typically see this money game. And that's really what it is. It's a game. Uh, and, it, and it's certainly an important game. I mean, even Jesus talks more about money than he does about heaven in the Gospels. So there's some important tips, right? And even um, even the wise sages of uh, philosophers and otherwise uh, will bring up how money really matters, but it's not the correct measurement. It's not. It's a good measurement, but it's not the target. Uh, to go back to Goodhart's law from a few episodes ago, when the measurement becomes the target, it ceases to be a good measurement. In other words, when money becomes the end-all, be-all, it ceases to be a good measurement. And you end up jumping out of a window whenever you've lost your life savings. That is unfortunately too true for too many Americans. In fact, the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, uh, recently came out with a biological diagnosis called a wealth shock, where by fact, if you see your net worth drop by 10% or more due to market fluctuations, you're actually 3.5 times more likely to have a heart attack or a cardiac incident just because you lost a little bit of uh, digits on a sheet of paper. That's crazy. That's crazy. So one of the people I've really come to really enjoy spending time with is a lady named Monica Sawyer. And she has a powerful story about helping people who were just miserable with money find that blissful path toward wealth. To, and that's her key phrase there, blissful path to wealth. Uh, so Monica Sawyer is often described as one of the most blissful people you'll ever meet. And I cannot agree with that, uh, that uh, statement more. She's been investing in real estate for over 20 years. She's been through all different cycles of the market, up, down, and sideways. Still, she's been able somehow to turn $10,000 into $2 bucks, working only 5 to 10 hours per week 
and here's the key phrase, with very little stress. So she built this multi-million dollar business traveling over to over 55 countries. She dances every single day. She supports causes that are important to her, and she spends a lot of time with her husband of over 20 years. She's the international best-selling author and multiple award-winning book, author of Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. She is the host of, uh, in, of the podcast, Real Estate Investing for Women, and her expertise, her bliss-filled laugh, which I know you're going to love, uh, has been featured on stages, radio, podcasts, and TV stations, including ABC, CBS, Fox, and The CW, impacting over 100 million people. So with that introduction, I hope you'll welcome Monica Sawyer. Monica, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. My pleasure. I am so pleased and happy to have you on the show today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, but for those of our listeners who might not know who you are, it's hard to imagine at this point with all the uh, work and exposure you've had on the media and so forth. But tell us who is Monica Sawyer and you know, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that question. So my, my story actually begins when I was about three years old. Um, well, my story belo- begins a long time before that too, but <laughs> three years exactly. But the story that I want to share with the audience about kind of who I am starts there. So I was um, born in an area that was very, um, what do you want to say, homogeneous? Is that the right word? I was the only person in school that was not white, basically. And um, so I was bullied and tormented constantly. Mm. And so in those days, you know, as a very young person, I learned that I, people didn't like me, that I was going to be alone and that life was going to be hard. And so over time, I became... I kind of am a predisposed to being happy type of person, but I became very shy, very introverted because bad things kept happening. And I wanted, I knew from a very young age that I really wanted that happiness, but I just wasn't able to find it. And as I got older, the story got more rough. The the bullying got more violent um, until when I finally got graduated from college, I got a new job, um, and then I was in a horrible car accident. And I had been a professional dancer. That was the thing that kind of kept me sane. I had been a professional dancer for many years, and um, I was in this car accident and became a cripple, so I lost my legs. And at that time, I still really was intent on finding this happiness, you know? And so I stayed really positive and I tried to get myself, my legs working again, right? I um, did um, acupuncture, I did chiropractic, I did physical therapy, I did all of those things that are really popular now. But in those days, you know, you just basically went to a doctor and they gave you meds and they told you to be in a chair and you were kind of done, you know? And, um, but it didn't work. The pain continued. And eventually I got to this place where I just, yeah, I don't know, Mark, if you've ever felt this and, you know, I know a lot of people listening have, but this place where is it worth it? Like, it's just not getting better, you know? Mm, yes. And during that time, I had also had a conversation with my dad. I was spending a lot of time on my back, right? Because I was in so much pain. My dad had started investing in real estate when I was three years old. Now, he had come 
to this country from India with $200 in his pocket. And he had heard that the golden ticket to wealth in the United States was to invest in real estate. So when he had me, you know, he was filled with this excitement and joy and hope for this new child. And he started investing in real estate. So you fast forward 15 years from there and he paid for my college education through real estate. He paid for my sister's college education through real estate. So now here I am after my accident. I can't work. I'm freaking out about money. And I have a conversation with my dad. The thing is, I had seen that real estate, what it could do. But I had also seen my dad's stress around that. You know, he had had all the problems with the tenants and the mortgages and all of those things. So I saw kind of the nightmare side of real estate. And I already was suffering. I knew that I did not want to get into anything that was going to cause more stress and more grief in my life, right? So one night I was sitting with my dad and we were talking about this and he said to me, said something to me that completely changed my life. He said, Monica, everybody has money issues. Everybody has fear. Everybody has stress. Do you want poor people money issues or do you want rich people money issues? Wow. I know. And so I thought, well, gosh, first of all, <laughs> how many people listening to this are like, really? Rich people have money issues, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mo money, mo problems, I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm going to have money issues anyways, it might as well be rich people money issues. And so while I was this cripple, I could barely get around, I started investing in real estate. And so that's how my real estate journey started. Now go back to my other story. I get to this point where my legs aren't getting better. The pain isn't going away. I can't find a solution. And I remember one morning I had been in bed. It, you know, I had been basically a cripple for about two years and had fallen into this huge depression. And um, I remember one morning, <clears throat> I remember one morning, I was laying in bed. I had been in bed for about a week crying, and I had the covers over my head. And I heard my mom, mom's voice in my head. My mom, thank you, mom, says, Monica, get out of bed, get some air, you'll feel better. So I try, I push the covers over my head, and I try to get out of bed. And as I swing my legs over the side of the bed, I fall to the ground because my legs are so weak they won't hold me. So I just sat there and prayed in that moment. And the prayer was, God, have mercy. Either bring me home or teach me how to live. Mm. And about an hour later, I feel like I got God's call. A girlfriend of mine called me and heard me crying. And turned me on to a coach to try to help me. This coach saved my life because he reminded me of the journey that I had been on. He had reminded me about all the things I had learned about how to be happy. And then he gave me some extra tricks and tips. And we brought Monica back to life together. Wow. And then from there, he hired me on as a coach underneath him. 
So, and what was so fascinating about this, so I became an executive coach. I got to start this new business. My real estate was now flourishing, which real estate kind of does on its own. That's the thing that I love so much about it, you know? Um, I became a coach, and one of the things that I found with my executive clients is it wasn't that their businesses were suffering because they weren't good businesses. They were suffering because the owner was no longer happy. He wasn't inspired. He wasn't fulfilled. He wasn't motivated, or she. And so I became, at that time, a bliss mentor. So I was teaching these really, really high-powered people. So they were multimillionaires. They had the perfect wife, the perfect kids, the perfect car, the perfect house. They had everything, but they didn't have happiness. And so I brought happiness back into their life. And so you can kind of see why it's so important to me to create bliss, not just in the areas of my life that people would normally relate it to, relationships, our work, with our kids and our health, but also to investing in real estate. Because real estate can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. And for me, I was determined that I was going to bring that bliss into my real estate investing. You kind of know why now. But the other thing is that, you know, real estate was going to be in my life for a long time. Real estate is a long haul thing. You don't want to be investing in real estate short term. <laughs> you want it to be a long term thing because it gives you the time to be right, you know, within the markets. And I knew that if it was going to be in my life a long time, that I had to make it blissful. And so that's kind of how the two stories came together and why now I talk about blissful wealth. What a story. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I feel honored just to listen to your story of recovery and redemption and, you know, finding yourself, not just your, the power of your legs, uh, which is a tremendous miracle and a story I'm sure you'll share for decades into the future. But what, what a powerful s story of uh, companionship. And, uh, you know, there's an old Swedish proverb, you know, a, a shared joy is a double joy, but a shared sorrow is only half a sorrow. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you really relied on your people uh, to help you through a tremendously difficult time and found the power, literally the power to just to get up again. Right. Li very, very literally to stand. And I'm actually a competitive dancer again. Yay! <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> right? So, like, oh my gosh, life is so good. <laughs> what do you What do you do in that moment? Because no, no one makes it through life alive. That's the ultimate. <laughs> and yeah. We can't get out of this life alive. That's the truth, right? So when we get thrown those curveballs, when we get thrown the the um, the devastating tra tragic news of whatever it could be—family, friends, sickness, disability, whatever. What do you do to to find true inner peace and and what you call bliss? What do you do there? How how do you make it through that that tar sand? Yeah. So you know the thing about bliss is there are things that we do in the moment, but there are things that we do through our entire day to day life that set us up to give us the strength to make it through those moments. So let's start by me just defining what I mean by bliss. So your audience kind of knows what we're talking about. Does that sound good? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So bliss is a deep sense of joy and contentment and the confidence 
that you can, you can handle anything life sends your way. And so if you focus on bliss, bliss is like a habit. It's emotional mastery and emotional resilience. Um, I thought of a metaphor last night that I think might really apply here. My husband and I, when we bought our very first home together, um, we lived there for seven years and it was adorable. We had a huge emotional connection to this house. And then when we moved, he was still working 16 to 18 hours a day. So he was usually exhausted when he was coming home from work. And pretty regularly, he would go on autopilot to our old home because they were about two miles apart. And a couple times, he even walked into the house with the key. The key still oh, worked. Love <laughs> that. <laughs> and what was really, really interesting is that he emotionally still felt that that was home. So that's where he went to on, as default. Bliss is a very similar thing. We create a default emotional home that we go to regularly and often and that we're in the habit of going to. So if you can create this place of bliss where you're going to go to naturally as a habit on default any all the time, then no matter where it is you go, if he goes to work, if he has a bad day or he has a good day, he'd still come home to that home, right? And it's the same thing with this, what I call the bliss equilibrium. This is home. So whether you go to ecstasy, you had a really amazing day, or you go to deep depression, you had a really bad day or a really horrible event in your life, your default is always to go back home. And you go back home to bliss. And so, yes, there are techniques that bring you back to bliss and you've learned them because you're in the habit of creating bliss. So you have the techniques to get back there. In my husband's case, it was his car, right? You have the car to get there, but you're always naturally going back to that same place. So really bliss is creating this bliss equilibrium, this place of deep joy and contentment that you keep coming back to. But when we go to those other places, like you were talking about, that mo those moments when there's a death or for me, I lost my legs or whatever it is, right? You have the tools to bring you back home to that bliss equilibrium. Sometimes it'll take longer. Sometimes it'll take shorter. But it will never take as long as if you, have, as if you haven't already set up that equilibrium. Does that make sense? Fantastic. Yes. You know, I'm thinking about our GPS on our phones. You know, we we have this powerful tool to get us to where we want to go. But unless you put a destination into the coordinates of that software on your, on the app on your phone, yes, mm -hmm. is pointless, right? That's right. So tell us a little bit about some of the, well, I guess before we jump into this, I'd love for you to help me evaluate the landscape of blissful wealth. I guess the way I want to ask this question is what is blissful wealth? Mm. Blissful wealth is creating wealth in a way that supports the joy in your life rather than sucking the life out of you. So say some more about that. Yeah. So, so many people think of building wealth as a piece outside of us, right? You talk to investors all the time and they think of wealth as that thing that we put money in and we never look at. We, it's over there. It's separate from right. us. Yeah. But the reality is that Wealth, just like everything else, is a part of our life and a part of who we are. So if we are able to stay active with it, 
then we can have it benefit us more. It will grow more quickly and we will get the ultimate goals that we want of building wealth. But it's hard to stay active with it if we can't have it be a joyful experience. And so what I teach people in real estate specifically is how to streamline the processes and develop the emotional tools, so both of those things, to create a blissful experience in building wealth in real estate. So that's what I mean by blissful wealth. And it seems like the even the concept of wealth, whether it's dollar bills or real estate properties or stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or even bank on yourself type policies, all of those are just tools to get you to where you want to go, which is bliss. Am I understanding that right? Well, sort of. So where we want to go can be blissful, right? When we get to that point, we're financially free, we get to travel, do all the things we wanted, we get to make a bigger impact on the world, we get to make donations, right? We get to do all those things that we want to. Once we get to kind of our end goal, although the end goal is never the end goal, right? You, then there's another goal. Mm-hmm. But what I'm also saying is that exact piece. There's never an end goal. Bliss is in the journey. So that end goal is what people focus on so much, but really bliss happens on who you become through the journey. And boy, I've met enough people now, as you said, rich people problems, where they accumulated enough stuff and they thought the, the, the goal was the destination, but they end up realizing once they achieve their, their net worth goal or their number of doors in their portfolio, that they were chasing the wrong goal, that they ended up in the wrong destination, that somehow along the way they lost all their family or lost all their positive relationships or they lost their drive. So these CEOs that you worked with, these folks that were still running a company, how did you help them back onto the path uh, toward their ultimate, des- you know, their, their destination, which is actually a journey, as you say, uh, toward right. bliss. So how, how did you help folks do that? What's some things that we're missing uh, that I guess we lose in the pursuit of happiness, so to speak? So there's one thing that's really, really, really important, and that is to really align what you're doing with who you are. You know, the thing is that wherever you go, you take yourself. And money is an amplifier. So if you're a grumpy person when you're poor, you're going to be a grumpy person when you're rich. You're going to probably be more grumpy, actually. Like a lot of people grumpy alongside you, yeah, if you're... (laughs) Right? Right. So so money is an amplifier. So you want to make sure that you become the person that you want to be in the world, whether you're rich or you're poor. Now, what happens is that people in the pursuit of their goals keep their eyes on the prize, but they forget that they're the person that's on that journey. And so what I would do with people the very, very first few meetings is we would talk about their values. Now, what's funny about this is that as adults, we all think we know our values. Oh, yeah, my values are my family, my, my, you know, God, my work, my kids, you know, in that order, right? My family, God, my work. And, but if you actually really, really talk to them about that, they don't even know what those words even really mean to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so let me give you an example. I had one guy who said his family was the highest priority. So I asked him a question. I said, okay, let's say your wife was in the hospital 
after a car accident. Would you rush, and you had a very, very important meeting that was going to be the turning point of your company. Would you go to the hospital or would you go to your wife? I mean, would you go to your wife or would Ooh, you go to the meeting? What did he say? He went to the meeting. Oh, okay. Interestingly. So now how did his wife perceive this? Right? She, I'm, not, I'm not the highest priority. But here's the thing. For him, he said, if I didn't go to that meeting, she would no longer have health coverage. I could lose her. Mm. So, yes, in his eyes, family was the most important thing. But because he made that particular decision, he was torn. He's like, really? I should be with my, my wife. He was pulled apart. He was ripped apart emotionally, and he wasn't able to focus in that meeting either, right? But now that we understood why he made the decision that he made, he could have a conversation with his wife who had felt very, very hurt, and both of them came to a place of peace around that decision. Someone once said, if you show me someone's bank statement and their calendar, you can, I could tell you what their values are. Would you agree with that or what would you say to that? No, I think that people prioritize things that are not aligned with their values and that's why they are pulled apart and they're not able to find bliss. I agree with you totally there. Yeah, I think so many people have a belief system and then their actions are counter to that, whether they... Uh, you know, in the financial planning world, a lot of people are packing money into 401ks and yet they believe that taxes are going sky high in the future. Now, mm -hmm. what kind of sense does that make? Now, that's not on the level of bliss necessarily, but it's just, you know, um, acting against our beliefs, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so much of what we do goes against our values because we think that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what people told us, right? But exactly. if we can align, if we can really get in touch with what those core values are, and then align what we're doing day to day in our businesses, in our relationships, with our health. If we can align with those values and really be true to those, then we don't have the push and pull inside of us. We don't lose so much energy on trying to justify what we're doing, what we're doing subconsciously. We're able to relax into our life. And that creates a beautiful foundation now for building a life of, of bliss rather than pulling a life, um, creating a life of discontent. What a powerful statement. And it just, I feel super honored to even have this opportunity to meet with you. And the, the, just the capacity we're living in, in, this, in this world where we've got the ability to be um, speaking to each other over podcasting. It's just amazing that we're even having this conversation. We're living in the I, future, Monica. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I absolutely love it. I love, I've got a podcast too, which you were on, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we just build these beautiful relationships. It's amazing. I just love it. So let's bring it down the ladder for our listeners. Um, this is all fine and good and powerful stuff for those that can catch it. But how do you know what your values are? Um, Monica, could you share, would you be willing to share a few of your values to give us an idea of what you mean by this? Or would you give us some examples of how you can sit down and actually write out your values? 
Yeah. So I actually have a book called Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. And we have a whole chapter that gives you an entire exercise on how to figure out what your values truly are. Um, it's And I teach that class. It takes about two hours. So I can't really give um, a real concise um, idea of how to find them. So I would recommend buying my book if you're interested or learning more. Um, but for me, let me give you an example of kind of how this works out in my life. So let's take my top three values. I normally you want to focus on your top five, but let's just for the in the interest of time talk about my top three. My first one is my relationships. My second one is um, joy. And my third one is learning. So let's say, for instance, I'm thinking about doing um, a podcast, right? So I went through this decision about a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. and it was going to take new learning. So there was a new learning curve. I was going to have to spend a lot of money on equipment. It was going to take a lot of my time. So when I was making that decision, I could have just said, this is going to be really good for my business. I'm just going to do it. But instead, I put it through my values. So the first one was my family. Was this going to support my family? Now, I'm not talking about financially. What I'm talking about is, does it continue to allow me to make my family a priority? The answer to that is yes, because I get to do my podcast at home. I don't have to travel to speak. I get to be right here, and I can do it in the middle of the day. So when my husband comes home, I'm available. When I want to go see my parents on the weekend, I'm available. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah, I love it. Great. So joy. One of my deepest joys in life is to talk to people and hear their stories. And just really, because their stories impact me, they grow me, they help me to evolve, right? So that joy, certainly, podcasting really fulfills that. And then learning. I just said, right? I love the opportunity to talk to people and grow and expand and learn. So it fulfills that need too. So podcasting was not a hundred percent. Yes. It was like a thousand percent. Yes. It was aligned with everything that I believe in and what I stand for and what I want for my life. So as we're wrapping up here, that's tremendously valuable. Thank you. What are some practices people can use every single day to move them towards more bliss in their lives? Yeah, that sounds great. So, um, you can use what I call a bliss moment. So what happens when we're in a stressful situation, the situation usually isn't the problem. It's a story in our head about the situation. So let me give you a quick example. Let's say you're in traffic and someone cut you off. You could be like, I can't believe that person just cut me off, right? Because that's the story that happens. Or you could be like, oh, that person must be having a bad day, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the reaction on our head. On it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So when you get in that, oh my God, I can't believe someone just cut me off, that stressful situation, you do your bliss moment. You stop, drop, and breathe. So you do a pattern interrupt in your head. You, and I will do this when I start to see myself getting really frustrated. I'll stop. I'll, Monica, just say that to myself and stop the thought. Then I drop into my heart. I take a couple of deep breaths and roll my shoulder back. And now I can think from a grounded, compassionate place. So if I need to make a decision, it's going to be a much more logical, rational decision. If I'm driving, I'm not going to drive rashly. I'm going to be in just a better space. So I advise people to use that all the time, no matter what's happening in their lives. That's a great takeaway. So stop, drop into your heart, and breathe. Exactly.
So good. I think if um, all of our listeners take nothing else away from this, take that and just try it one time, you know, when, when you <laughs> get cut off the next time in traffic. Uh, so exactly. Uh, as we're wrapping things up, again, the power of podcasting is the the networking from your own home or your own office. I mean, it's just powerful. So thank you for this uh, interview. And Monica, tell us where we can find out more about you and what I think you mentioned you had something you'd love to share, a free report uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners. Yes, I would love that. So first, I have a podcast called Real Estate Investing for Women. Um, so you can find me on Apple Podcasts. Um, to listen to that. And then if you go to blissfulinvestor.com, I do have a free gift. You heard my story about sort of how I got into real estate. But basically, I started with a $10,000 gift. And I've now, cha- mo- I've now turned it into several million dollars. So I've created a report where I'm very transparent about what I did and how I did it to build that multi-billion dollar empire. And I'd like to offer that to your guests as a free gift. Um, If they just go to blissfulinvestor.com, you can download it there. Wow. Thank you so much. And, you know, if I heard you right, um, 10,000 to several million dollars and only working a few hours per month. Exactly. Five hours, five to 10 hours per month. And the blissful way. <laughs> and as, and at the end of the story, I think you also said you're into dancing now too. Is that right? I am. I'm back dancing and um, I'm actually have an event coming up and I'm going to be teaching everybody there a little bit of dance to, to get them back into their bodies where they can experience much more bliss. That's so good. Well, we appreciate your time and thank you for being a part of our journey toward a not your average way to live. Uh, and so thank you for your time, Monica. This was such a pleasure, Mark. I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you for having me. Likewise. I'm guessing if you're like me, you've got a smile on your face. Just listening to her and her demeanor, her disposition towards uh, joy and life just brings a smile to my face. So thank you again, Monica, for being on our show. What an incredibly powerful story. I mean, the, the story of losing her ability to walk and then finding that ability to walk again, not just because it's an ability she might have been able to pick up on a YouTube video or a series of courses she could take. No, that's not how you regain the ability to walk. It's out of finding purpose. And, you know, I would say that, um, you know, honestly, for all of us, we can take the, the, the principle that I've been reading, rereading the book, uh, The Ten Laws to Lifetime Gro- Growth by Dan Sullivan. If you've not read that book, I highly recommend it. The Ten Laws of Lifetime Growth. One of those laws uh, essentially says, Make sure your uh, money is never greater than your purpose. So never let your money be greater than your purpose. Uh, that's, in effect, the, one of the laws. And I believe that that's what Monica has found. She's found her purpose. And again, we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, you know, the giving episode we did back at the end of uh, November, episode 117. But boy, if you can find uh, your purpose, then money just amplifies it. Money is really just an amplifier of your purpose. It makes you more of who you already are or who you want to be. So I believe that when you act against your purpose, not only does that cause you know stress, but it can mess up your financial life too. So for example, if you invest in a 401k but believe taxes are going to go up, that's acting against your beliefs and you know, if you stay late at work, even when you say your family is your greatest priority, that's acting against your beliefs. So again, let 
purpose be greater than your money, your pursuit of money should never be greater than your pursuit of your purpose. And so again, thank you, Monica, for being such a contributor to our episode this week. So again, if you guys have a comment or a question, we always love hearing from you. Uh, And specifically, we have a question of the month. Is bank on yourself a scam? We'd love to know. Maybe it is. I I need to know pretty quick so we can let everybody else on this uh, who listens to our show know about it. So go to speakpipe.com slash NYAFP. Okay, great. So, and finally, uh, we want to just thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.